You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 46 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good, Brendan. You've uh, reintroduced my title. Uh, how are you, though? You sound a little bit somber today. A little somber today? It is uh, a little late in the night. We pushed our Here recording. It's my fault. <laughs> a little bit later, but it's all good. Got testing after this. Got an event coming up this weekend, so I'm excited. Before we get into this weekend, Flesh and Blood, though, I got to talk about what this pod's about. So, we're here. Week one of ProQuest has concluded, and we've got a new metagame on our hands. One here in particular uh, seemed to be the star of the show, per se, last week. Uh, but we saw some other new faces pop up with results as well. They were going to break down some data on recent results, give our thoughts on the meta, and talk about how we would approach targeting week two. But first, of course, your week in flesh and blood, sir. Yeah, well, ProQuest week one. I, I played a ProQuest this weekend. Uh, I... Took a flight on Saturday morning, went up north here in Australia to Queensland, which is the next state north of me, uh, and played a ProQuest, which was, was awesome. Um, got to catch up with some you know some friends who don't live in the city, got to play some great games. Uh, I played Viserai. I was always planning to play Viserai week one of the ProQuest, just kind of coming off the back of Nationals, took a break for a week and a bit, then started playing a few games, um, just trying to understand the format. Playing Viserai, I just really like playing Viserai to be honest. So I wanted to update that deck and, and take it to week one of ProQuest, which was awesome. Uh, ended up making top eight, but losing in the first round of quarterfinals to a mirror. Very, very weird game that I played uh, against Vincent. Shout out to Vincent who played very well and ended up winning the event. Um, but yeah, I just had a had a good time. I love traveling to these kind of events, even if it's just for a night or something. It's um, you know get to hang out with with some of the you know the players, some of the team afterwards. Get get drinks and dinner and then come back uh, for the rest of the weekend and then go and do it all again this weekend. If only you lived in America. We were doing that like every weekend I know, for a month I didn't get so. the opportunity, but that's all right. Yeah. I get to do it now with, uh, with, with some of the local team and yeah, had a, had a good crew um, that went up. So it was awesome. Shout out to the, the RC crew team that went up. Sweet. So yeah, my week in flesh and blood, just testing a lot. Um, like we've talked about, I am on the evening testing session now, which is interesting. My days are, I never, I actually never thought I would be this busy in my entire life. Obviously, a significant portion of that day is, um, not a significant portion, but some of it is doing things that a lot of people would consider to be fun, um, and I enjoy them as well. But since they are mandatory and they're on my calendar, I do still kind of consider it busyness. <laughs> so I basically start my day now at around 7.30 a.m., and I think I don't finish. Like, I literally just go straight until about... 10 <laughs> it's brutal so i'm like over i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out a bet over under until i burn out but so far so good i'm actually enjoying it um finally playing a pro quest weekend two here not sure what deck i'm gonna play but i'm picking it tonight actually and i'm in between viscerai prism and then just like whatever else someone could throw at me that's interesting enough i've got yeah. a, i've got a rhino deck list for you if you want oh uh, yeah for sure um you hold your breath and then we'll see if i play it I'm going to talk about some of the decks that I'm looking at playing. I'm playing two ProQuest this weekend, probably going to play two different decks. So once we get into the meat of the show, we talk about this meta and, and of course, Everfest, Classic Constructed, probably going to end, talk about some of the decks that I'm looking to play this weekend or next weekend um, and why I'm looking at it as well, which I, you know is going to naturally come up as we talk about this meta anyway and the kind of strengths and weaknesses, I think. Hayden Dale, ever the Renaissance man. But first, talk to me about the news. Let's get into it. A uh, bit of an uh, update on organized play because a lot of things have happened in the past couple of weeks. So we talked about the Polish calling that's coming up and in, in the calling Krakow. Uh, we've got the battle hardened happening in uh, in Leeds in the UK. That's happening on the 20th of March, uh, which was previously announced. But LSS did put up a big article about just OP for kind of Q1 this year, I guess, of what's happening in the next month or two. Uh, so the battle hardened on the March 20th, and then there's uh, the calling crack hour was April 15th. So, you know, after after the ProQuest season and uh, a little bit of time after that. And we also have a battle hardened Dallas, which I think had been softly announced, but now was in this article. And um, that's happening April 8th to 10th at the SCG conference. And so you'll be able to be able to hit that one up, I'm sure. Yep. All the boys are going to come down too. Dallas is one of the funnest 
um, funnest locations. <laughs> so everybody loves it. So I'm excited for all the Team Covenant boys to come down as well as maybe Mr. Dante Delfico is going to have another time on the ranch, as the oh, tall really? Timmy would say. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be at the uh, the Patrick residence. Yeah, my dad wants to uh, see his son again. <laughs> Uh, but also exciting as well is that uh, the Calling Taiwan has been announced, or I guess previewed, but we don't have a date for it yet. But that's that's super exciting to me. That's one that I would definitely be trying to attend. Uh, you know, it's pretty close to me. I think it's about eight hour flight. I mean, closest you know, as as these things go. Uh, so definitely gonna be trying to to head to that one and um, get over and play in a different area. So I I'm guessing it's probably gonna be sometime around Krakow, probably before the first Pro Tour or immediately after. So yeah, looking forward to see what. What happens then? You gonna come for that one, Brendan? I'd like to, but I do have this new contract. It's hard for me to travel for a little bit of time. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have a hard time traveling, but I will be doing a renegotiation and specifically marking out times to spend a week or so in another country. Yeah, we're waiting for another exciting announcement. It's not being officially announced, but James White did say on, uh, he was on a French podcast, I believe it's a French podcast, last week, and did detail that also PT number two is going to be happening in Europe, and that's going to be about three months after PT number one, although we don't have a date yet. But that's very exciting to kind of know. Generally, we're going to have at least two PTs this year, plus Worlds, it seems like. Um, You know, there's going to be coverage, of course, for those. That's going to be really exciting. So we're just now waiting for some dates for, for organized play. And I'm sure there'll be more callings coming to your regions, whether that be North America, Europe, um, Asia, um, you know, Australia, New Zealand. I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming weeks, but very exciting. Interesting. Um, so we got PT1, PT2, and Worlds. So that is... I, only, I don't have enough PTs, bro. I don't have enough PTIs, per se. Um, Brendan Patrick from Arsenal Pass looking to buy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Comprehensive Rules 2.0. Uh, we talked about it last week, have now been released, and Alexis have done a bit of a, a Q&A, you know, some of the top Q&As around Comprehensive Rules 2.0 by Josh Scott, who is the, he's the I guess he's the, the lead of rules for LSS, uh, and he does a lot in that sort of space for Legend Story Studios. He's put up an article on the on the mothership on fabtcg.com talking about some of these kind of you know key questions that people have about comprehensive rules 2.0 so definitely go and check that out if you want to make sure you're up to date before you head into week two of pro quests we don't have any gameplay going up this week brennan but we do have something a little bit exciting i don't think we can say just yet but we've got something a little bit different for our gameplays coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, we will be having gameplays we are recording some tomorrow uh, but they will be a little bit different so stay tuned for that i'm uh, looking forward to doing those Rise, we're doing ultimate pit fight with members from no I'm kidding um, not yet <laughs> so time of the round um unfortunately i was on i guess a hiatus for like five seven days there so there was no time of the round last week but this week it's going to be a secret <laughs> which means i haven't found <laughs> it's out who it about is yet. <laughs> That's cool. but we'll figure it out That's cool. time of the round um, is uh, in- great 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 for that right we we pick the people we want to jump on and have a conversation with and uh, sometimes it's last minute sometimes it's not i've got actually Brendan, i haven't told you this but i've got a couple of people planned for next month uh so you know take a few bit of weight off your shoulders there i got some people i want to talk to awesome well i'm excited <laughs> um yeah so in closing here closing out the news just want to shout out our over 550 patrons now a number that i actually never thought that we would achieve so it's incredible mm. It's incredible to see how far we've come. <laughs> this is episode 46. We are not even at episode 52. And we have Soon, done an episode. What was that? Soon though. Six weeks and we're at a year. I know. But look at how far we've come in under a year. Um, just crazy to think. So we appreciate the support so much. Um, and if you are interested in joining Arsenal Pass patron, uh, Patreon. They always mix up those words. Those words. We do have tons of extra content there, including deck decks, deck guides, as well as additional podcasts. And sometimes a little spice thrown in, maybe a little commentary from Hayden and B Money. Well, Hayden, you know there was a ridiculous cold front that came in today, like freezing rain, ice on the ground, and those cues—they're gonna have a hard time lighting up. But my man from down under, I know that he can spark a flame in any weather. Why don't you take us over? Where am I taking us to? Oh, the commander cooker. Right, right, firing up the grill. Let's do it. <laughs> He's like, what are we doing? We're out in the wilderness. I'm trying to make a fire. Like, I'm so confused. 
yeah so uh i just picked a question out from we've had a few questions that are, have come in a few a few different sources i've just picked one out here brendan that we're going to talk about um i'm going to go with this one right here with more decks being able to threaten an otk on either the literal first turn of the game uh, Benji, KO, Reiner into low health heroes or soon thereafter Blitz is becoming a faster and more lethal format what do you think the future of Blitz is as a format and do you think prevalence of OTK decks is necessarily detrimental what changes if any would you like to see as a uh, seed of the Blitz format if you had your way that's from Fancy uh, via our Discord thank you thank you Fancy um, you know what I'll, I'll start with this question Brennan uh, mm-hmm. Blitz is an interesting one to me I think we've had like not much spotlight on Blitz right because classic constructed season we're in a progress season right now but it's important to keep in mind that we're heading into a, a calling and a battle hardened. So in Europe, so we have the Leeds battle hardened, which is blitz format. And then we've got the calling, which is blitz format as well. So there's a lot of eyes starting to move towards, especially as we head out of this ProQuest season into what will be this, basically the split season effectively, because we also, it's important to bear in mind, we also have skirmish coming up, right? So skirmish starts, I think the week after ProQuest finishes. So we are about to have a blitz season. And I think this is really important to sort of look at and discuss me personally, all my kind of blitz knowledge right now is pretty secondhand through what I know of, you know, players and friends testing. And there's a lot of talk about decks like Kasai, uh, Benji, Kano, and the power level that sort of increase that these these uh, heroes have gotten and how they can really explode with a lot of damage on a single turn. So, you know, more reminiscent of these OTK decks. And of course, Viscerai is still hanging around there. Kano has been able to do it previously. Reiner is still around. Kao is still around with its specialization and the ability to, you know... <laughs> play something like swing big and some pumps and come in for million damage. I don't know, whatever it is, but there's, there's a lot of things happening out there. So it is interesting. I think to me, um, what I think of, I guess, blitz is a form and the prevalence of these OTK decks is like, it's a bit scary to me, I think in terms of what this might mean. Um, but I think we probably need some, to give some time for the format to adjust. Ultim was really powerful hitting out of the last format. Right. And, you know, especially with the bannings of Briar, and I feel like that deck is one that can really hold uh, onto those OTK decks. And then you still have, you know, quite low to the ground aggressive decks. Like Ira isn't going anywhere and that deck just became more and more aggressive. So, uh, you know, I do think there's there's options out there. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what innovations people come up with. Is there, you know, is there some aggro decks? Is there this old time deck that can deal with a lot of things? Is Kano like a balancer? I think there's going to be a lot of things out there that people have to weigh up uh, in order to, to play this format. I don't, right now, I feel like, it actually could lead to a pretty healthy format but you know i do understand the the kind of idea that this otk or i guess more power level in a low health format could be scary right yeah so i think there's a more interesting not more interesting but an important thing to talk about here that i think is at the root some flesh and blood seems to be speeding up every single set no matter what they do um i feel like coming in for a million damage was I'd never heard of it back in the day. Then it was not so common, common. And now it's just, you know, it's most games, right? People are just hitting you for ridiculous amounts of damage and chaining, chaining that over and over and over again. And I'm sure that that, that problem is felt most in Blitz. Um, like Hayden said, I don't have much exposure to the format, but if it is like that, I mean, maybe Flesh and Blood is just moving, or at least Blitz Flesh and Blood is moving towards a place where, you know, you can play tight and increase your chances and... The better player will win um, more often than the worst player, but there might be some non-games, you know? Um, and that's not really uncommon in a lot of other card games. I, I would say that Flesh and Blood not having that was one of my favorite things, but it, yeah, if that's how it is, that's how it is. I don't, I just don't know how they get us back to where we used to be, where there was more interaction, um, or if that's even more healthy for the game. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's unfortunate, maybe it's just... The, the future of blitz yeah so are you talking about specifically blitz i felt like you're alluding to the game in general there both yeah. yeah so i'm excited to talk about the meta right now in everfest because i think that this format is spoiler a format that i think early on i really enjoy uh, and i actually think it's it's pretty balanced and um this format has slowed down to the the last two formats but we'll we'll get into that blitz anyway I think if I'm to say what's my stance on Blitz right now, let's get through this season. Let's see what people come up with. Let's see what innovations we see. Let's see how the calling goes. I, I think I've expressed concerns about having a Blitz calling before, but I think it's a good thing for us to do once uh, once a year, twice a year in the season of Blitz and um, gives people that opportunity to, you know, if you're, you, you're taking that step from skirmish level, maybe into calling level, what a great sort of pathway to go from a 
blitz skirmish to a blitz calling um and you know to have to have one of those so i'm excited to see what people come up with i do think that you know decks like kano kasai uh, are going to be up the top but i'm sure that there's you know ultim as well i think it's still gonna be very good but i think there's gonna be other things that come in to potentially help balance this format um it's really early on still mm-hmm. for sure all right so with that let's head into the main topic of the pod we're going to break down some data we have from the past weekend as well as give our thoughts on what that data means and ultimately what we're going to do to try to target week two of ProQuest season. So we don't have an incredible amount of data this time. There is no big tower number nine sheet that's tracking everything. So take this with a grain of salt. We're going to go down top eight performances. Um, All these numbers could be over under by a bit, but I think that this data does give us some insight. So it looks like Starvo performed the best with around 60 top eights, followed by Viserai at 19, Chain at 13, Prism at 9, Lexi, 9, Katsu, 7, Old Him, 6, Briar, 5, Bravo, 4, Rhinar, 3, and Bolton, Dorinthia, 1. Maybe some others that we missed in there, but ultimately I think we get we do get a very good picture, especially at the top of that list. Hayden, I just want to get your first reaction um, to that data. Yeah, so I think it's important to quantify what this data is. So this data is is coming from um, Twitter from Sam Ajama, who is you know a listener of the show and, and writes in on occasion. Uh, who put together data that was available from, you know, like on the Facebook competitive hub and in discords of events in North America that took place. So these are ones that were available. This isn't all the events. This isn't necessarily events outside of North America as well, but this was a handful. So it's a slice of what we saw on the weekend. And I think there was 56 uh, ProQuests over the weekend, what I read on the Legend Story Studios website, the wrap-up of of the um the week one and you can go and check out that article as well there's uh, a bit of a wrap-up of what progress week one looked like around the world but so this is as as, as Brent said you know like it's this is what's happened from a slice of of north america my kind of you know initial reaction is uh kind of makes sense for week one kind of probably about what i expected coming off the back of scg con uh the battle hardened and is it, is it about 100 is right yeah it's uh, or is it a mm-hmm. progress whatever in in philadelphia uh this is what i kind of expected to see right so starvo making up uh i don't know percentages here but starvo making up you know majority of those top eight representations um as well as a good chunk of the wins i think makes sense it was clearly the deck to beat coming out of of scg con we didn't get a lot of time between week one and, and that event um and it's a deck that i expected a lot of people to pick up and play it's a, i think you know the the game plans we've seen of that Starvo build in particular coming out of the SCG con was, was pretty linear, right? Like it was really focused around a bunch of elemental cards, usually 14 to 16 of each split, allowing you to consistently activate that probability a lot of turns in the game. I heard people quote different varieties of, of percentages. I think you can sit around 60 to 70% on depending on how you hold pulses and things like that, up to 80% to, you know, to activate the Starvo ability. So it made sense that people would pick that deck up, right? I had a proactive game plan that was going to play the same into basically every deck in the format and just to ask the question what are you going to do uh viscerai at second makes sense to me i think that deck is very powerful there's a reason i chose to play that deck for the the first week not only do i like it but i think it was in a good position um especially if you had a plan that you wanted to enact into starvo and then i guess like third right so third was chain which is maybe like a little bit of a surprise to me um but we know that Tarek patel friend of the show put up an article on channel fireball saying calling his shot, saying the, the 80 cards he was going to play on the weekend, uh, how to sideboard with the list and then ended up winning his event with it. Uh, and he, he talked about how he thought that had a good matchup into Starvo and was pretty well positioned in uh, week one of the ProQuest. So not surprising to see Chain. We did also see two copies in the SCG con top eight. So it kind of feels like a, you know, a bit of an evolution, a small evolution, but probably what we expected to see for week one of ProQuest, right? Well, for me anyway. Yes. So I actually predicted a lot more Prism. Um, and we don't have like the raw data on like what actually showed up, but uh, like you said, there it was the same thing in the last ProQuest se- season where there was one leading indicator of like what the best deck might be, i.e., what used to be um, Winton's Katsu Control, control. deck, yeah. and then it was just like so overrepresented, it was ridiculous. So I think I've conf- you know it's confirmed that Fab is a bunch of net deckers. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's. We, you know, moving forward, like this is great data because we've seen it twice now. So moving forward, pro in the next ProQuest season, if there's any event that happens before that where one deck is even mildly successful, target that deck on week one. Um, That definitely, that's what I take away from it. I also think, you know, Viscerai, in my opinion, is, it's very, very powerful. I think that if 
Bravo star of the show didn't exist, Viserai would be maybe overpowered. Like there's some, uh, there's some cards they printed for Viserai that are so good. Um, it blows my mind. And a lot of turn two, a lot more like two, turn three, turn four, minimal setup, just like 30 damage combos. That, that deck is so good. Um, and I love playing it. I just don't love playing it into Starvo. Chain, that one surprises me. Chain does surprise me. Uh, I feel like Chain doesn't do great into Disruption. Starvo is the pinnacle of Disruption. Um, you do have Husk, of course. You can sort of time walk the Starvo opponent. But that being said, yeah, wouldn't be the deck that I would pick, but I ha I'm actually going to be testing it more just to kind of get a f you know get a feel for what that list looks like because it's much different than when I played in Monarch. And finally here, like I said, I would have expected Prism to perform a lot better, especially with Starvo. Um so popular in the field. I feel like Prism into Starvo is just an incredible matchup for, for Prism. Let's, let's talk about some of these lists, right? So you talk about Prism and the representation of it. So the top three, I think, top two makes sense. If we talk about what we saw, the Starvo list looked very stock, looked like some small evolutions of what we saw from uh, the Charles Dunn uh, Pat list that came out of SCG Con. And then Chain was, you know, very similar to what we saw with, I think, the fourth place. I think it was the, the Alex Keeler list, or he was top eight in that event. And Eric played something very similar, which which he posted about and talked about. Uh, and then the, the Prism is interesting to me because, uh, and sorry, the Viserai. I think, you know, we, we talked about Viserai. Uh, we posted a list and I know people were playing around with like Revels and Glooms and those kind of upgrades and playing these more proactive style decks. That's mostly what I saw of lists people posting over the weekend were very, very you know, around that kind of idea of proactive, but maybe you could sideboard into to OTK or uh, I guess a slower deck that could play a little bit defensively. But Prism, right? Prism has been in this weird spot where there's so many new cards. They don't, they're not automatically you should play in this specific way. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot harder to build, I think. And to target Starvo, I think is, uh, I think there is lists out there. I, I want to talk about some of the lists that actually won ProQuest over the weekend because Prism did win some ProQuest over the weekend, uh, what those look like. But you know, there's fractal replication. There's you know, there's also Mirage Metamorph. Then there's all these new blue auras, as well as you have like coalescing Mirage. And you know, there's so many cards. That, like, how do you fit them in, and, and should you fit them in? I think was a big question for players this weekend. And ultimately, I think uh, people might have shied away. Maybe their prism lists weren't ready. Maybe people showed up with prism lists that weren't ready, uh, quite to target Starvo. And then some people did show up with lists to target Starvo or had you know, probably reasonable matchups into Starvo um, and, and did well over the weekend. You know, it was the fourth of the data we're looking at. So the smaller data set, albeit, but a data set that we are looking at. Prism is the, the fourth most represented in top eights, right? So it's not like it didn't see, see play. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I felt like the sentiment in the community um, once Everfest was released was that Prism was one of the biggest winner and so was Guardian. And, you know, if you know people are going to play Guardian, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, I'll probably play Prism because that matchup has been historically very favorable for Prism, mm -hmm. um, for Aura Prism. So I was surprised to see less of it. This is top eight data, so potentially it could be Prism's other matches, right? Um, particularly, I think that, I know, and I know we disagree on this now, I think that Prism's matchup into Viscera is terrible. Um, like, I think Viscera is extremely favored, so maybe it was, you know, maybe it was other decks that were knocking Prism out of top eight contention, um, other than just the Starvos. Yeah, I think it could be a mix of those things. Could be the fact that, like I said before, lists just weren't tuned. Uh, the Starvo list is, I think it's pretty it's pretty set, especially this elemental build. I think we're going to see, I've said this before, I think we're going to see iterations on this with uh, less elemental focus, ways, more cards for the mirror, ways to play out longer games. Uh, I expect to see Earthfall Bounty at some point become used because that card, to me, feels very strong. Um, but at the moment, we're sitting with this quite a, quite a, the shell of this, these, Star of the Show decks are pretty set, I think. And, and Viscerai to a degree as well, I think it's kind of been set from the last format and it's just plug and play with some of these new cards. But I, I do think Prism is, is really difficult to build. And I think that's where the struggle has come. But while we're talking about it, we did see a Prism list. In particular, we saw a Prism list win in New Zealand at uh, the ProQuest. So in New Zealand, Prism's reigning supreme, apparently. Uh, yeah. Nationals are now ProQuest. But that list was very heavily tuned. Uh, that list is heavy on auras and it has a really strong game plan, I think, into what Star of the Show is trying to do. Um, and I think these lists are now up on fabtcg.com, but basically it's, you know, it's all the blue auras, all the yellow auras, good defensive cards, basically no red cards or very light on the red cards. Uh, and I know uh, um, UK national champion Matt Folks won a ProQuest with a very similar list this weekend as well. So these lists that may be a bit more tuned to take on Starvo, but can also deal with, you know, um, and I, this, as you say, disagree. I think 
Viscerai Prism is a lot closer than it was a couple of weeks ago at the start of this format where the Prism lists were trying to play like Fractal Replication and all these other cards. Um, you know, I think the Prism was in a pretty good spot for this past weekend, but I think it's going to be an even better spot this weekend because I think there's now lists out there for people to replicate and to take and pick up and test with and, and run that back. Yeah, fair point, fair point, because I was actually, when I was testing Prism in the Starva, I was actually using Matt Fox list before he won the ProQuest. Um, so it may have been quite different from what actually showed up that weekend. Um, but yeah, just want to point that out. Hayden, I want to ask you kind of an important question. <laughs> Something I know a lot of people in the community are asking themselves, uh, and I suspect you'll have a very political and reasonable answer to this, but I'm asking you either way. Do you think this is a healthy meta? Um, well, it's a <laughs> political response. I think the, the, the game is in a spot where it can be healthy. Do I think the meta right now is healthy? Well, not necessarily because I think people are reacting to it. So I think it's going to take time. I think if you went to a ProQuest this weekend, you would have had a ton of Starvo and you probably will again this weekend. You might even have more Starvo, Star of the Show Bravo than you did last weekend because it did so well, right? People are going to pick it up and play it. Um, but I, the thing is, I think there's, there's decks out there, there's strategies out there that can beat it pretty consistently. Uh, and you know what? I'm not going to play Bravo Star of the Show because I don't think the deck's very good, to be honest. I, I think it's good, but I, I don't want to play a deck that fundamentally isn't consistent and uh, has to play weak cards in, in the deck to make the hero ability function because when people come to target that deck, it's going to be very difficult to play different game plans uh, if people are forcing me to play different game plans because I don't have solid cards to back up the rest of my list to do so. So... Um, yeah, your question. The, the meta is it healthy. Look, I think it's it's in flux right now. We're moving through this point of Bravo Star of the Show being really prevalent, probably potentially even more prevalent this weekend. Uh, but we just saw a lot of you know decks beat it. Um, so if you just talk about the health of the meta, yeah, I think I think we're in a pretty healthy spot. I really like this meta. I think it's really interesting. There's five six decks that I'm looking at that I would you know I I would consider playing in an event because I think they have opportunities to to win depending on how i think the meta is going to shake out to be honest yeah i love that you said that so we're going to talk a lot about bravo star of the show we're going to hold section for <laughs> but i i love that you said that because we we disagree there um and it, it's probably out of ignorance on one side right like one of us is probably just wrong doesn't have enough enough of a sample size and just being emotional probably me <laughs> i was gonna say you call me ignorant I have, a, I have a decent sample size. Um, my issue with Bravo Star of the Show is that I feel like that card was printed to be a gimmick, right? Or at least be average. I, didn't, I don't think it was meant to be as powerful as it, is, as it is. That being said, I think the deck is extremely targetable. Extremely targetable. Nevertheless, I feel like that deck is more constricting on the meta than almost any deck that has ever existed in Flesh and Blood. Besides Chain. Because... There are decks that are incredible, incredibly good into it. We're talking like rock versus paper, good into it. This is like Prism, maybe disruptive decks like the old Boomer Bravo, as I like to call them, and potentially Lexi, right? But a lot of those decks are terrible into Prism. And so now we have like this, we finally have gotten to what we, in my opinion, what we call, what people would call is a rock, paper, scissors format, which is, I feel like when I heard about that, that, you know, that phrase, it was in good spirit before, but I can't imagine anything worse because it, it does feel like you just kind of gem format your way up sometimes. But yeah, I don't like Bravo Star of the Show only because I think it constricts creativity and a lot of the decks that can exist in the format. And I don't think it was created for that purpose. Um, so that's my two cents. I, and, but this is right before I was going to say we're not going to talk about Bravo because we've got a whole section. So we're moving on. Hayden, what performance numbers were you particularly surprised by? Uh, you, you say that and you make me bite my tongue on that fact. Me? One, no. one last question. One last question to follow up from that. Oh, God. Do, do you think that trying to build a deck for a pro quest is more restrictive than trying to build a deck for the past format with Lightning Briar in the format? Yeah, I actually think that the last format was the, the healthiest format Flesh and Blood has ever had, by far. Because I've, there was very clear answers to Briar, um, and there were answers to those answers, but then there was a lot of granularity in between that, right? Like, we saw the success of Viscerai, which I don't even really think fit into that Rock, Paper, Scissors equation. If, it, if we were going to do that, it was Briar, Old Him beats Briar, and then Prism beats Old Him, and a few other decks as well. And we saw towards the end of that format this 
it just drastically evolved. Um, and I, you know, I thought it was a healthy format. I even thought that Briar mirrors were relatively skilled. I thought it was fun. Where now, if we come into Starvo mirrors, maybe again, maybe it's I just lack the <laughs> the wisdom uh, that it takes to win a Starvo mirror. But I can't imagine anything less flush and blue um, than that. I don't want to get too critical, but I just I feel like that deck, its current position was not the design, right? And um, the, the meta is going to need to overcorrect and overtarget in order to hate it out. And I think that that limits limit, limits with decks can be played. Okay, well, we can we can dive into targeting and things like that later on. I, one thing I will say is I think in the last format you couldn't race Briar. You couldn't build a deck that had better on hit effects and could race Briar. And you had to go basically one route to to beat it, right? Which was well, two two routes. So you you had the third route cut off, which was like this aggressive kind of on hit route because they had plunder runs, they had embodiments of Earth. So how could you how could you compete on that stage? So you had to either just ignore their plan, try and go around it, like what uh, Viserai tried to do in that matchup, or you had to do what all time did, which is just like just run them out of threats, just out you know control them out of the game, go so hard on the other end of the spectrum that you you won that game. And I will say, in, in my experience so far in this format, you get all three routes into Bravo, which I think is really is, is good. You get to you can run them out of threats, you can go around them. Or you can try and go under them, um, which we can talk about soon once we get into it. And maybe I can change your mind when we, we talk about some of the strategies. But yeah. Let's do it. What numbers were you surprised by? What numbers were I surprised by? So Lexi is equal to Prism, which I think is a bit surprising just because. So that was with nine. Again, sample size we're looking at. But anecdotally as well, I know I saw across a number of top eights Lexis. I was trying to watch, you know, like VODs of coverage and stuff. And there was a lot of Lexis on top tables uh, and in top eights. And I think that why that surprised me is because I don't think that the current lists I'm seeing actually have great game into the current star of the show lists. Um, and I also think that, you know, Prism can be a bit tougher. But in saying that, why I think it did actually do well in this first week is because these other decks weren't prepared for Lexi, to be honest. I don't think that people were testing and considering Lexi to come in such a way. And Rain Raises is a ridiculous card. So the power of that card, I think, probably helped these Lexis really push through in their top tables. And also Fatigue Shot is also really good as well. And I'm sure that helped them win a number of games against Star of the Show. Um, Lexi is an interesting one. I'm sure, you know, if you want to talk about decks that I think uh, could be sort of slightly under the radar and be options for the ProQuest season, there's ways to build Lexi. I think that can be really good. Um, can you build Lexi in a way to target, if we were to say the top four decks right now are Chain, Viscera, Prism, and Star of the Show, can you target all four of those decks? No, I don't think so. Um, but I think there is ways to build Lexi to do that. So, yeah. But then, actually, the the probably the most surprising is that Katsu was the next sort of most represented in these top eights with seven, which I'm really surprised about because I did think that Katsu got some tools. I think even bigger than that is a fantastic card. Um, but... Is it good enough to push Katsu over the edge? Is the the new like the the new lines? So the Torrent of Tempo extended line is that good enough? Is hundred wins? Hundred wins has really underwhelmed me to be honest. So I was surprised about that. I played against the Katsu in ProQuest. Uh, it felt you know like the the deck kind of struggles a bit on certain turns. So I was really surprised to see see Katsu do so well. I'm not sure what it was kind of preying on. I guess uh, prisms and and maybe some star of the shows. Yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah, and star show tough right because all the disruption but i mean you were on viscerai and viscerai freaking dunks on that deck <laughs> it does so yeah maybe that maybe that's why i was like mm, this doesn't feel so good we'll see if uh if katsu gets his time in the sun you know, he did get a lot of he did get a lot of options we've got to see how what the execution of that looks like maybe it's katsu control running um starvo out of threats so we go back to our og days just sleeve it up and kadachi away hayden so you played last weekend what did your local meta feel like that not your local meta, but your meta at that event yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It... yeah for sure i think the australian meta is like pretty pretty similar there's definitely varietals between the the three major states in in australia um so there was a lot of star of the show uh i tried to count around top tables i think it was about 30 percent of of the meta um but there was quite a long tail so there was like you know there was a couple of katsus a couple of rhinars there was an azalea which made top four uh for instance you know uh, probably people might know wesley's been on Azalea since day one. Uh, I think he's done a few interviews and stuff. A very good Azalea player and knows the deck inside and out. So not surprised to see him make top four. They were actually played in the Swiss. But yeah, there was, you know, and then probably Viscerai would have been the next most represented. Um, there was probably less chain than I thought we'd see. And definitely Briar. There was basically no Briar. And I think that's a surprise because I do think Briar is still quite good. Channel Matt Rock is a very oh, good, good card. Yeah. 
Um, and then I think Elixir probably would have been, Elixir and Prism would have been the most represented after that. So it kind of follows what we just talked about in terms of the, the data that we have, except that uh, less chains and, um, you know, a bit more maybe uh, Rhino than we saw on this, this list. Or Rhino. That was actually one of my early calls back when we started seeing some spoilers because it looked very Prism, Prism favored. So Hayden, yes or no here? Does this format feel solved? Oh, massive no. Not even close. Good. Not even that was close. Not I, can't reiterate, I can't reiterate that enough. The format is nowhere close to being solved. I think we have a really powerful week one deck that does a very powerful linear thing. And if you want to hear me and Brennan talk about linear things, we've, we've, we did a whole podcast. It admittedly was just for, for patrons, but we did do a whole podcast on the power of linear decks in Flesh and Blood. And um, it's not a surprise to me to see that be so powerful week one. But there's so much more depth to this format. And I think there's actually four or five decks right now that are really, really strong. Uh, and I think those decks are only going to change and evolve as we move through ProQuest season towards the Pro Tour. Sweet. Nice one word answer. Love it. Um, <laughs> now I'm for the main, the real main topic of the pod. Let's talk about the star of last week's show. What do you think about this new Bravo in terms of design? Do you like it? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I try and stay out of... I mean, it's hard not to have an opinion on design and games that you love and actively play, right? Like, I think that's kind of part and parcel of you playing the game is that you're always going to have some thoughts on, like, the design. But I think that's more from a macro level for me about, like, how I find the game plays, how uh, turn structures happen, how sequencing happens, like, how does it feel? Um, so when it comes down to a bit more, like, the minutiae of it, I guess, in terms of, like, specific hero abilities and things like that, I tend to be less focused on those but those things are prevalent right like people talk about briar and how that made embodiments of earth and and i agree that didn't feel great right in terms of the design of bravo star of the show uh i don't i don't mind it to be honest um i think it is really i think it has a quite a big although people will say you know you can do it consistently i think it has a big restraint on its hero ability you have to pack your deck full of bad cards effectively that we just had everfest we didn't get any elemental cards in there you're playing only cards from um, and people say couples, but yeah, but to make this deck operate, you're playing cards from um, from Tales of Aria to make this happen. Like, how excited are you to have, you know, blue frost fangs in your deck or blue lightning surges? Those cards aren't good in isolation, right? So I do think that the hero ability uh, causes you to have to balance the deck. Now, in saying that, does the fact that you get to do this so regularly cause some issues around, like, enjoyment of play? Yeah, I think it could. Like, we talked about, and people talked about, that was one of the big reasons for Briar getting the errata right was like it just didn't feel fun to play against you know plunder run and uh, embodiment of earth tokens so i can see that um but i honestly don't feel like bravo is anywhere near as unfun to play against as you know necessarily trying to play an aggro deck into briar for instance yeah i think my question is less about what's fun and unfun but in my opinion like and obviously you've kind of heard my opinion on that that, that hero's design just, just does not embody the game right um why it is because you're playing bad cards you're trying to hit this ability which is almost never on the second cycle in the current stage if you do you're massively rewarded and i feel like the player both piloting and the player playing against don't really get to play flesh and blood bravo star of the show being one of the most or the most popular and dominant decks in the format reminds me and this is going to take i'm going to take you down a little bit kind of <laughs> reason with you is that this is i feel like this is what it would feel like if kano was like one of the best decks like it's fun right it's cool to do big things but i feel like the experience ultimately detracts from the game it doesn't feel like the game to me so that's what i don't like um but well, i don't know it's less relevant like you said you're always going to have opinions on game design um and things like that i'm just surprised right i'm surprised that this is this was what they landed on is a good idea. If you talk about like Kano, right? I would equate that to, to feel like what you're saying Bravo is, that it doesn't kind of make sense. The game design doesn't fit with how the game's been played. I would say that if Kano was good and it played a bunch of attack actions, then that's what that would feel like. Like a deck that doesn't really make sense in the design space. It has this ability to subvert how the hero or the class has been to play within the game. I don't think Bravo is doing that. I think... Yeah, Bravo is he is the tail of a misunderstanding. Native, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, thematically, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. Sure. I'm saying that the experience of that deck going off is similar and being 
powerful is similar to the player experience that if Kano was powerful. It's very uninteractive. It's quite one-sided. And, you know, some people would argue there's a luck aspect. Like, those games, you know, I feel like it's weird. You know, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like the game to me. It doesn't feel like we're playing, we're playing Flesh and Blood sometimes. And you're right, the deck can lose. It's very targetable, things like that. But in terms of, like, its core design, we're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to make this hero that can flip these cards off the top, get this crazy ability, come in, we all have fun. And it's kind of weird to me. I felt like it was a gimmick and it ended up being a little bit more powerful than that. Maybe it is. I'll concede maybe it is slightly more powerful than uh, maybe they might have liked. But I think that ability is something they probably did definitely want to have and for it to play out like that. I don't... Because you just... I, I have to... And I'm probably going to... I'm going to be the bad guy in this episode. People are going to give me the dirty comments, Brennan. But really zero chance, bro. But if, really zero chance. If you say that it's... You don't interact with it, but that it's targetable. Those are kind of... To me, those are two... Those things don't align, right? Like, I think this deck is targetable and i think you can interact with this i think it's really hard to interact with say uh you know stir forked out of kano for instance i think that's really hard to interact with because probably you're playing it's really hard to play more than arcane barrier four right in most decks so i think that's hard to interact with i think having a red unmovable in your deck that can interact with say an Oakenol fused uh, plus a card from hand is is easier to pull off or easier to achieve and to interact with so um you know i yeah i'm not sure that i i feel personally that this Bravo Star of the Show is a lot more fragile. Uh, the hero ability is way more fragile and the deck building constraints around it are a lot more fragile than Lightning Briar had in the last format where, you know, you got to pack your deck full of some of the best cards in the format plus have a really strong hero ability plus have a really good game plan. Yeah, we can sum that up with a I disagree, which would probably <laughs> satisfy, but... Um, Love to hear the comments though. What do people think? Well, the thing is, is I'm probably going to be the bad guy because we had... Uh, I can't even imagine how many people were playing that deck last week. So we probably got a lot of, a lot of Star of the Show fans here. Um, oh, people were playing it and weren't enjoying it. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that comment a lot. People played it, but they didn't enjoy playing it. Yeah, I mean, so we can move on from that. Um, that's just my gripe with it. I do agree with you, Hayden. That's the thing. It's like, I don't want to get it wrong that I disagree with the fact that it can be targeted. I just think that the tools to target it yeah. are very linear and you don't have a lot agency and choice as a player in terms of what you want to play to beat that hero like it, we're coming from a place where we have every card we can play any hero like especially for players who maybe play two or three you know maybe one class two class three classes that design sucks in my opinion um but maybe we've just had that for the past year briar and chain as well that's what i was gonna say so where have we come from that. where we've we've been able to play a wide range of decks well, back in my day, and welcome. <laughs> welcome to Wraith. Yeah, you could play like seventy percent of the heroes, but it was like three out of four, right? <laughs> I get what you're saying. Then. Not, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So let's talk about specifically what his struggle against. How do we target Bra- Bravo Star of the Show, Hayden? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think number one is Prism. I think the Prism mm-hmm. list that we saw come out of uh, New Zealand, and you know, a few people played it. Like we said, uh, I mean, Matt played it in the UK. I think I saw a similar list uh, win in the Netherlands as well. Um, Ian, shout out to Ian, uh, his friend. There is, I think, that's one of the best ways to target it, and I think Prism does a really good job. Has a game plan that basically. So I said before, right? If you want to, if you want to target Bravo, if you want to attack Bravo in this format, uh, there's, I think, there's three things you can do. I think you can. Try and go under it so you can come in with on-hit effects and pressure Bravo into not being able to play their own game plan. So, uh, you know, like Fatigue Shot, I think is a fantastic card that was printed for Rangers to be able to do this. Um, I think the current Lexi list might need a bit of reworking to make this happen and make this more consistent because I do think that you are going to have to try and find a pivot point in the game and then really kind of thrash through. So maybe that requires some amount of defense. Not quite sure what those lists look like, but I think the tools are there. And... You know, sometimes Bravo, and this I think talks to the play experience you just spoke about, right? Some the the feel bad is when like Bravo just like hits the hits the double sixes, right? And is like five turns in a row, I've got Oakenolds and Crippling Crushes, and I've just like I've drawn a good spread of elemental cards, or I've been able to hold a pulse or whatever, and yeah, that feels disgusting. But that's not you know that's not a reliable way to play that deck, right? Like I don't think I don't think you can continually do that because they are going to falter. So going under one one way to attack it, I think you can. Uh, defend out and run them through threats we've seen like charles uh deck from the battle harden or sorry the scg con is playing more threats than like the week one list that we saw from Matt w uh, but i think mm-hmm. people are still pretty limited on threats right you might have say three autumn's touch maybe three of the the other earth one uh maybe then you're on three crippling three oak and some are sprinkling a few different threats in there 
those threats are like very tall and very vertical and those are the threats that are coming out right so if you have a deck that gets to trade you know a card for a card say something like an unmovable or a defense reaction plus a card plus a piece of equipment i think you can get through those decks uh through those threats and then what is bravo left with a bunch of elemental cards that we just talked about aren't very strong so i think that's a really interesting piece that you you have with it and then the last one which is what i think viscerai did into briar in the last format with the otk kind of plan is you just go around it. You just kind of say, okay, you play your game plan. I'll interact with it to some degree, but then I'm going to play my game plan over here. And I think that's what Prism does. Prism says, okay, yeah. here's my auras on the board. Here's these cards that are going to continually get value. How are you going to deal with them when you're so vertical in the way that you approach the game? Um, yes, I have to use some life in order to set this up, but also I have access to good defensive cards as well. I have, you know, I have Soul Shield. I can play unmovables in my deck. And also I get to play potentially two auras on one turn and start to pivot the game. So, um, yeah, if we're talking about best, my in my eyes, the best way to target it for the next probably two weeks is it would be first be Prism, I think. So if you play that controlling strategy, that attrition strategy, maybe it's the uh, an OTK shell. You also play around a card called Awakening, which is yes, huge, very good card, good call, great yes. call. Yeah, uh, yeah, that card is busted. Um, and if you're if you are trying to race uh, Bravo, a lot of the times, you know, if they are getting super lucky and high rolling the crap out living of you. Daylights. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, the living daylights out of you then the pivot point is actually going to be when they draw something that that awaking and you're like oh it feels so bad right because um, then they kind of get they swing that tempo back in their favor in regards to going under it that one's tough because i feel like you can't really go under bravo and or sorry under starvo by presenting on hit effects that just do more damage mm-hmm. because if they start rolling those starvo activations into you they're not only doing a, sh- a a lot of damage to you but they're also disrupting your hand you're discarding two you're putting two on the bottom you can only you can't activate go again so on and so forth so i think that the disruption needs to come in the form of something that's making discard or taxing them so that they can't actually effectively play those big hands um which i think that yeah i think that's quite narrow in the decks that can do that yeah. yeah and a lot of the decks that can do that are notably just really bad into prism unless of course they are prism um but yeah, so I think those are the viable strategies. I like the idea of running them out of threat. I, I don't want to, this is one of the things I don't want to say because what happened is I think that these Starva lists will probably just run like a Remembrance, which obviously it has a, has a, has a negative effect. Yeah. Yep, has a negative effect by um, reducing your chance to hit the ability. That being said, if there are people that are going to use things like defense reactions or just raw cards to block you out and run you out of threats, because some of these decks, they literally have, what, 9, 12 threats. It's pretty reasonable to do that. You throw a Remembrance in there, and you've got your deck, you know, I mean, you get three more Crippling Crushes. Probably going to make that, that strategy a little less effective. But either way, um, I do agree with you. Very targetable, but the targets, the decks that are able to target are a bit narrow in choice. Yeah, is it fun? Yeah, so I will, I will concede definitely the, the hardest of those three things, I think, is to go under. I think that's a really difficult ask right now. I'm, not, I'm even not entirely sure what that, that deck looks like. Like, I think, it's, I think it's some form of Lexi, to be honest, where you make Bravo play off three to four cards, which is much less effective than playing off four to five cards. I think that's, that's huge if they can't continually chain that uh, that arsenal slot it's really hard for them to crown a seeds and, and find those cards but in saying that the these uh, these bravo star of the show decks aren't terrible at defending they're not amazing but they're not terrible they have access to crown they have access to, to the shields so and then the big one like you said is awakening and so i think if you're going to play this game plan of trying to go under them you have to be really careful about the life total thresholds and how you're kind of trading damage i mean more focused on actually the effects of your hits than the pure damage and then have a, a plan about how you're going to end the game and um, ideally avoid awakening so you know i don't know what that necessarily looks like and i will yeah agree that is the hardest of the the ones to look at also i wanted to say brennan we're not we're not monetized you can you can swear if you want you know just people <laughs> listen to the car with the kids then you know just just be aware <laughs> i will never because i'm a i'm a good boy um <laughs> yeah it, it's a uh, awakening is a crazy card you know a card is also not that crown, crown of seeds crown of seeds is just unbelievable um very, now very you're into the crux card. of what i want to talk about yeah, so the Everfest meta so far has been very, uh, very different from past years' formats in Flesh and Blood, which were almost exclusively hyper-aggro dominated and probably one hyper-aggro deck. And then the polar opposite of that, whether it was fatigue or control, um, whatever that is. So I want to ask you, do you think that the bans going into Everfest were significant? And if so, how much? 
Yeah, I think in hindsight they actually look really good. <laughs> yeah, can like, you imagine Briar with freaking swimming, swarming Gloomvale and Revel and Room? Like, it would be nuts. Yeah, in Plunder, like, oh, it'd be crazy. Sorry, can you can you imagine these Bravo decks potentially having access to ball lightning? <laughs> what they could uh, look like. What does that look like? That doesn't sound like crazy to me. How, oh, it probably it looks crazy? like Channel Mountain Rock gets played and the deck looks maybe potentially... Mm. Anyway. Okay. okay. Um, I, yeah, so I, I think the bands, I was pretty pretty okay. Like, you know, I spoke about the errata and how I don't like the idea of erratas, but I think at the end of the day, it, it works for the game. And once I'd start to see Everfest previews, oh, I get it. We were going to solve the Briar issue with, with Everfest. Ball um, Lightning, I think I was like, yeah, it's a card that hits it. I think... Okay, that's fine. The Plunder Run was the one I was like happy about because I've always had an issue with that card, and I think that's going to be good for the health of the game long term. So, yeah, I think it's um, I think I'm happy with it. I I do wanted to say like we're just talking about Bravo, and you talked about Crown of Seeds, and the one concern I do have is with Crown of Seeds. To be honest, like Crown of Seeds far and away more than what Bravo's hero ability does to me is the card that kind of concerns me. Like it's the first piece of legendary equipment I think where I've been like, oh, this is really powerful. And it really works with what the hero is trying to do because I think mask is really good, right? But that has like a, that plays into a game plan of how people want to play into Katsu of like defending out often like critical attacks to stop, you know, triggers of, of Katsu or like combo lines or whatever. Um, you've got like, you know, I think cross wraps is like a really powerful card, but unfortunately it gets played in Azalea. So Whereas Crown of Seeds, I think, is really powerful and uh, gets to operate in, in two decks that are very, very good in the form of Ultim and, um, and Bravo Star of the Show. So I just have a little bit. That's on my watch list, Brendan, is, is Crown of Seeds. Sure. That's, yeah. I'm going to toss one more your way. You ready? Go on. Do it. You know, I think a lot is going to surprise a lot of people. Vex and Quill Hand. Vex and Quill Hand, very, very good. Oh, it's very, I very good. That, yeah, so if Star, like I said at the beginning of this pod, if Starvo wasn't as dominant as he is because i think that's viscerized one of viscerized worst matchups and you can maybe work to have it a little bit more in your favor their viscerai mid-range kind of tempo with vexing quillhan is probably one of the most disgusting and potentially unfair things i've ever seen in this game it does things worse than chain i've seen turn two turn three 30 damage no setup maybe if you come in with one rune chant leading that turn it's incredible 40 plus damage. I've seen some of the most ridiculous things out of that deck, and I think it's super, super strong. And it's unlocked by Vexant Quillhand, which is a bit of an innocuous piece of equipment, um, to be fair. Um, but yeah, that deck, all you need is like one or two pieces. You fill up your graveyard. It's actually a very graveyard focused deck mm -hmm. nowadays as well. Um, and whew, can it go off? And the one thing I do like, though, is that deck is extremely complicated. That is. Oh, it's very the, hard to play. Yeah. Yeah. The the decision trees you have to go down to do that turn three, turn four um, combo and find the max damage. It's really easy to find 20 damage sometimes, but to find the 30 or the 35, because it'll be there. It'll exist. I mean, we've sat there with three, four people and just looked at it, right? Trying to figure it out. And I remember we've gone from, we went one time we went from finding 29 damage to 34, and then we found a 40. It was nuts. Um, but yeah. So that's on my watch list. Um, Viscerai is extremely strong, uh, stronger than it's ever been, but it's being held back by the meta right now. So, gonna gonna keep an eye out on Vex and Quill Hand over here. That's cool. I like it to like that. Like I thought Viscerai was hard to pilot in the last meta, like towards my nationals, but I think now there's more and more lines, and I, I'm cool with that. I, I I I like that those decks exist. I think Lexi is not an easy deck to pilot, but I think there's a lot of upside to that deck. And again, we can. We can talk about it for we could probably talk about it for days on end, but just linear versus non-linear decks in this game and, and how they play out. But um, you know, a lot of these non-linear decks have really, really powerful ceilings, uh, and consistently, you know, sort of like powerful kind of mid mid-tier of where they can be. But those are hard to hard to play. Uh, whereas, you know what, we've got a really powerful linear deck at the start of this format. I'm interested to see what happens next though, because I, I do think that there's um, there's a lot of outlets. This iteration of Viscerai is my favorite deck that has ever existed in flesh and blood and i think that it's more complicated more nuanced and more rewarding to play than kano i finally left it yeah <laughs> still love kano but this one really takes uh takes the cake so hayden we'll go ahead and move on here um in this beautiful new meta that is everfest week one ProQuest, are we finally seeing the infamous second cycle of our decks sir <laughs> 
Um, I, like, I did in the weekend. <laughs> you did? Yeah, yeah. I saw a second cyclone match. Yeah. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think... I think in the last one, we were never cycling. Um, I think with the power of, of Guardians and a card like Crown of Seeds and things like that, I think we're going we're gonna to see second cycles of, of decks more than we, we have before. Uh, like Again, come back to what Star of the Show looks like right now. I think we're going to iterate on that um i think if you're playing prism to certain matchups you're not that unlikely to see the second cycle of your deck i think does it matter the second cycle of your deck i i don't know if it's going to matter in this format like whether you see it or not i, I think yeah you probably see it but will it actually matter is kind of the question more so if, it will, if rather than if we'll see it and i think that's going to come down to just any given event to be honest and what the, the meta looks like um you know, Guardians versus Prisms, uh, Rune Blades versus Prisms. Like, I think there is these decks that will see it. It just depends whether it's going to matter because the power level of the cards is also uh, is increased, right? So, you know, like, the second cycle deck might not be as as terrible as it used to be. Although, in saying that, I just talked about, you know, uh, Starburst, uh, you know, Bravo Star of the Show and finding all these elemental cards. So, yeah, that could be the one that matters. Yeah, I have a little note here that if Flesh and Blood keeps going in this direction, people are seriously going to doubt your second cycle's sanity, Mr. Hayden Dale. But uh, I do agree with you, so don't come at me quite yet. Uh, we're going to pop on to topic two, which is, I think, what a lot of people have been waiting for. Hayden, how are you going to get that done this weekend? What is it? What's the answer? So What do you do? I'm trying to use the ProQuest season as a little bit of testing to be honest just just play decks play things i want to play enjoy and, and have fun um i don't feel that i need to win one of these pro quests so i'm not you know ultra focused on on that um i would like to get a nice these gold foils look amazing though so definitely it's a target uh this week so i just talked about prism probably going to put my mouth money where my mouth is and play prism for at least one of my pro quests this weekend uh i haven't played the deck much which is potentially an issue so i'm be working a lot of theory the other the other kind of decks that I'm looking at, I think Chain is clearly something that's is doing well and has reasonable matchups. I don't like the way that Chain plays currently, and I don't really want to play that that deck. I don't think it's to be honest, I don't think it's good enough in an average matchup. And I think if people have put reps in against it, they can they can beat it pretty reasonably. So I'm a bit worried about playing Chain. Um, so I will probably play two different decks this weekend. I think Prism is going to be one of them on one of the days. I don't know what I'm going to play on the second day. It, I might go back to Viscerai. Still been playing Viscerai. Still really enjoy playing that hero. I want to play that deck as much as possible. I enjoy it. Uh, other options for me are, are Dash Control. Uh, yeah, hear me I'm out. Looking at that. Hear me out. No, 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 no. I, dude, I'm the one who picked. I was in the chat. I was in our testing group last night at like, I don't know, 1 a.m. And I'm like, at here, can we please get some freaking data on Dash? <gasps> Mate, I was playing it last week. So, catch up. No, <laughs> but. <laughs> So the reason I've been looking at dash control uh, specifically or control with the ability to switch into a high octane plan versus prism is basically what I said about star of the show, how to attack it. Well, I think that you can run them out of threats and actually edge them out of the game. And I think that uh, dash is a deck that can do that because you have these persistent threats on board that's really resource efficient and can can chip away at their life. Um, while you also have, you know, the ability to play cards like unmovable and, and strong defense reactions and you get access to reasonable equipment. Um, so that's the reason why I'm looking at at Dash. The the one issue I have is I think Prism is really good, and how do you how do you beat Prism? Uh, I think that you need to have this option to have like a high octane package in in the sideboard, so your spots become really tight. I don't think you can hedge against other things if that's the case. If you're kind of targeting those two decks, um, and then you know the Viscerai matchup could become an issue. So I think Dash is more of a meta call for me, and I'll probably weigh it up. You know, a day or two before. I think I have have a list that I like. Um, I'll probably post and share it. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, and then that's probably kind of it for now. I would probably look at a star of the show list down the road, uh, but I don't think it would look like the kind of list we're seeing now. That consistency and those those, those bad cards in the deck, I think, is it's really hard to win an event when you're coming up against some really strong players in top eights who have plans for for star of the show, um, unless you kind of run hot. So just not really something I'm too interested in playing into. Playing, playing rather what about you brendan what's Wait. the plan for this weekend well i picked my deck tonight um i think it's either going to be prism or viscerai literally have no idea yet and i'm in the same boat as you i don't feel like i need to win one of um like back in the road to national seasons with chain i really felt like we had something special so i felt a lot of <laughs> a lot of weight to kind of win those events uh, mostly for you guys <laughs> uh but yeah this time i'm just kind of chilling 
Like we've experienced the calling season. We've like experienced this higher level of competition. And I think every time that happens, kind of sort of re you know, come back to earth on like, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just like, it is a time to really, to kind of just have fun. I do like the look of the gold foil. Do on another PTI again, Brendan Patrick, you can hit me up on Facebook looking to buy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to play what I think is fun. I'm going to have a good time. I'm until next weekend when I go to Oklahoma and I dunk on all those guys, all those Covenant players, they're going down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Prism or, Prism or Viscerai for me. Yeah, it's so true. Like we're, I haven't really stopped playing Flesh and Blood since this time last year. And as much as I love this game, I do need to take some breaks. And for me now, this is kind of a break. Like I'm still playing games during the week. Like I'm finding time. I'm going to some armories. and But it's a bit more, uh, it's... For me right now, I'm I'm more focused on just enjoying the game and finding some like cool interactions and trying things that people are suggesting and talking to a lot of people about the game and um you know looking at a lot of lists and and yeah basically just throwing things against the wall because we come towards the pro tour after this pro quest season and that's probably where you know for me it becomes a bit more of a, a focus again and and testing becomes a bit more serious but for yeah for now I mean I was planning to play a different deck at every pro quest I think I'll probably end up playing one or two decks multiple times because I think I'm going to decks pro quest i want to say so maybe i'll end up playing like four decks but yeah i um i had a lot of fun on saturday just playing uh, i got to play against a couple of friends i got to um you know have an excuse to go away for a couple of nights and um i'm enjoying that kind of less pressure on these events um, not that i you know it's all self i guess kind of put on but yeah i'm definitely enjoying kind of just hanging out and playing games of flesh and blood right now it kind of feels like what skirmish season felt in season one like i wanted to play them and i wanted to have good decks and i wanted to win them but ultimately they didn't didn't matter as much as maybe other events yeah uh would it be possible to do a arsenal pass poll on twitter every week where the community votes what deck hayden plays uh, they don't end up playing like reiner like every second week or something well, we could we could maybe make it so in the poll there are some heroes that are omitted per se. I'm I'm gonna play at brute one week. I'm uh, just working out which week it's gonna be. I don't have a list that like I love into what the metas ended up shaping up for week one. I posted a brute list a couple of weeks ago, um, which I think is like reasonable. But I would want to come back and look at something else for just how much star of the show has ended up being prevalent for these first two weeks. Maybe that list I come back to at the end of the progress season, depending on you know how popular decks like. Prism ramp up over Guardian and you know, Rune Blades, etc. For sure. And that's an adorable tangent, but you did not answer my question about this poll. Oh, I mean, you can put it up if you want. It doesn't mean I'm going to play that deck, though. I'm just going to play what I enjoy. Like, to be honest, that's, that's, my, that's my plan. If you want to do it, if we, let, flip it back on you. Why don't we do it for Brendan? Since you seem so keen to do it. There is an age-old saying, Hayden. Um, a wise man once said, I asked you first. <laughs> No taxi spexies. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. The meta right now, me and you do disagree. Yes, yeah, so far. This is one of my least favorite metas. Um, we'll see though, because it is very young. I, I really, I say that, but that's because we're on we're on a podcast, and I have to be uh, controversial. Uh, my true thoughts are: it's early. It changes every time, and it's kind of whatever, right? So. I'm just hanging out. I'm going to probably play Prism or Viscerai, try to pick up a dub, dub or two, until I go to Oklahoma. And then, um, you know, everything's on the table there because I got to get my boys, take them down. Good. Well, Hayden. I got to say one thing. I got one thing before you ahead. wrap it up. Because we just talked about and we disagreed on the meta. And one thing that I, I have to say, maybe is skewing my view a little bit, is that I am playing less like focused testing games than I would in the past. And, and in the past, like those are where I've started to dislike certain parts of formats and I haven't got to that stage yet. So maybe, maybe come back to me in two weeks and maybe I'll have something different to say. But I, I do think when I, I try and strip things back to a very fundamental level and think about the game from that approach and from where I sit right now, looking at these different building blocks of the format and where we are with the heroes in the format, I do truly believe all the things I just said during this podcast about Bravo and about all the decks that are in the format. So um, that can change, subject to change, right, based on what I see. But I think the fundamental of it is probably not going to change for me. Yeah, we just got to do a little good cop, bad cop every podcast. <laughs> you love Saber Bolton. I hate Saber Bolton. Now it's Bravo. <laughs> All right. So closing out here, we do have a view of Arsenal Pass. We're going to start doing this at the end of every podcast. Um, I guess just kind of to push SEO a little bit. We are looking for funny ones that are positive, ideally not negative. We're Google, go these are Google reviews, right? 
Yeah, Google reviews. Yeah. So you got to, yeah, you just, I think Google and Apple, it's like the same thing. Apple reviews up on the same. But yeah, we're eating them out. We try to pick the funniest one. Today isn't funny, but it is a glowing, super nice review. And this comes from BL underscore 52. He says, they <laughs> sorry, I started reading a title. Um, they say, if you like playing Flesh and Blood, you must listen to Hayden and Brian. Great tactics, thoughts, experiences. And this is what I liked. Thoughts are nuanced. Um, you know, I think that we sometimes go out on a limb to our detriment. Some people, not the biggest fans. But I do like that we get to have genuine conversations on this podcast. And I appreciate the kind words. BL underscore 52. So yeah, if you want to have your, your chance to be featured on Arsenal Pass, go shoot us a review on Apple or Google, whatever it is. And yeah, be creative with it. Make us laugh. You lift off right. the you lift off the in part the part that's controversial expressed well. <laughs> oh yeah, expressed well. I just disagreed with it so yeah, much. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hayden, why don't you close us out? Yeah, sure. So uh, again, we'll be back next week with the pod. We've got some some gameplay videos going up. Um, I think both me and Brendan are playing a pro quest this weekend. I'm sure we will get to a, a deck tech in the next couple of weeks. Uh, if you haven't already checked out the one that Brendan did with the T. Do so. Uh, I also did a video a couple of weeks ago on what I thought was going to be prevalent for or decks to look at for the early meta. Uh, I think that'll change definitely. But big thank you to all of our patrons. Um, we, you know, as Brendan said, over 550 of you who are, you know, are supporting us and allowing to do uh, the work that we we do. And we just a, a big thank you to to um to everyone. If you do want to join uh, the Patreon, we do offer additional monthly podcasts. We do uh when we do a deck tech, when we throw that up, we'll do a full deck guide as well. Um, as well as a few other things like analysis videos and, and different sheets that we might have for deck building and limited and things like that. We'll always chuck those up. So we're also on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Fian underscore Dale and my co-host over here is at Brendan APG. Come find us, interact with us, drop us comments, uh, you know, give us your fast food tier list like Tarek Patel likes to do. Um, well, I'll disagree with those ones as well. Or <laughs> also like Tarek, Tarek Patel likes to do disagree with us insult our families and tag us on twitter because that's that's what Tarek loves to do just yeah, always coming after me dude i'm never safe on twitter with Tarek patel out in the world he just after me and pings um just kidding all love hayden i took away from your your ending glory but you'd have it back i was just gonna say we'll see you next time all right makes more sense